I remember the rumbling. It felt like a freight train. And then I wake up feeling a swaying. A tornado tore through our small town like a giant weed whacker. I'll say science works, so <laughs> that's, that's an example, science works. This is Design Safe Radio, where natural hazards researchers strive to make our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. Thanks for being with us today on episode three of Design Safe Radio, the show that talks about everything nature has to throw at us and how scientists are working to make our society more resilient. I'm your host, Dan Zayner, from the Natural Hazards Engineering Research Infrastructure Network Coordination Office at Purdue University. Today on the show, we've got two amazing guests for you, Dr. Rindam Chowdhury and Dr. Mariam Rafan from the Wall of Wind at Florida International University. They both have impressive backgrounds in wind engineering and a passion for research that's applicable to so many communities around the world affected by this type of hazard. You'll really be able to hear that coming through in the interview. Dr. Rafan is one of the colleagues at NARI that I've worked with most closely in my time here, and she's one of the best team members I've ever met. She's always willing to help and bring her expertise and skills to bear on a problem. I'm sure you're really going to enjoy this interview. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of Design Safe Radio. Today we have two researchers for you from Florida International University, the Wall of Wind facility, and we have Dr. Arindam Chowdhury. And Dr. Mariam Rufan, welcome, Dr. Chowdhury, Dr. Rufan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you, Daniel. So I wanted to start off um, with Dr. Rufan and talk about kind of how you got into your specialty of wind engineering. What first really sparked that? Maybe it was some childhood experience or something in uh, your undergrad. Let's tell us a little bit about about your background. Sure. I was uh, finishing high school. Uh, I was preparing for um, uh, an exam in the national level to get into the university. And um, once done with the exam, we could have decided about the major based on our ranks. And I remember that I always wanted to do uh, physics at that moment uh, because I was really fascinated uh, by physics um, during my uh, high school. Uh, but at the same time, uh, everybody uh, was telling me that's that's the wise choice, uh, basically the future of uh, uh, the job perspective for me. Anyways, I um, decided that chemical uh, engineering is what I want because I that's close to physics, and I got admitted to uh, the University of Tehran. Uh, that was in 2002, and I chose uh, fluid mechanics uh, as my uh, major. And then once I graduated, um, I decided that I want to continue my study to a master's program. I wanted to explore more and uh, go to another country and uh, basically get my uh, master's degree from a different university at a different uh, country. And uh, I got admission from a um, couple of universities in uh, Canada and United States, and I decided to go to the University of Western Ontario because uh, when I was looking for a master's program, I noticed they have a very interesting program called Wind Engineering, which I wasn't really familiar with, but 
by looking at the research that's done on that area and wind tunnels they have, uh, I found it really, really interesting. So I, uh, I to Western Ontario, uh, graduated in uh, 2009. That was a point that um, I was more thinking about going to the industry, but I guess um, I wasn't really lucky. It was probably one of the worst times to graduate, even uh, the session, what was going on. And I remember my supervisor, um, I was talking to him, um, and he he uh, he uh, proposed a talk for PhD, which I found it again really fascinating, and that was um, experimental work on um, tornadoes. And I just found the topic really cool, and uh, I always write, liked research, so uh, I thought about it. It was experimental work, like experiments, like really interesting to me. And, uh, that that is how I got into uh, doing my PhD, and I guess many people uh, during their PhD, they're, um, they sometimes don't enjoy their work for many reasons. But uh, I had probably the best uh, four years doing my uh, PhD, um, planning experiments, um, doing the instrumentation, measuring the flow. The flow visualization was uh, one of my favorite parts. You could see the flow, how it's uh, forming, where it's flowing, and uh, that was basically the years that I spent the most time in the lab, uh, being involved, like probably eight a.m. to sometimes uh, midnight. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah. And I um and those are those are really good memories uh, from uh, my uh, education. I remember with college. And just trying to make the tornado work, and um, yeah, and um, after that, I worked for a few years at uh, another wind facility uh, called uh, uh, Wind Engineering Energy and Environment Dome, and I decided that I want to um, join the uh, All of Wind team at uh, Florida International University, and uh, I, I found All of Wind uh, again uh, a very unique facility and uh, a destination uh, for me to um, continue exploring uh, the field. Wow, that's excellent. It's, it's so cool to see that variety of experiences that you've had in such a short amount of time, really, from your research career. Um, and yet, especially, you know, getting to meet you a couple times at workshops, just see, I can really see your, your passion for wind engineering and scientific research. It's, 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 Quite infectious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have to admit, I, I love um, experiments. And I love uh, wind engineering. What would you say are some of your most impactful experiments that you've done, either at the Wall of Wind or Windy or at Western Ontario? Um, well, I haven't, I think I, the Wall of Wind team, um, it's not even a year, so it's like, uh, 10 or 11 months, and uh, since I have been um, highly involved with the operations of the facility, um, I have seen some interesting experiments going on in the facility. I've been involved in uh, planning those and mostly looking at the effect of uh, hurricane uh, type of wind on, uh, on structures and, uh, and a variety of them. 
um, the good thing about the Wolof is that you get lots of uh, projects from uh, different topics with uh, different interests. And it could come from industry, from uh, researchers, um, different uh, uh, agencies, basically. And I, I uh, all of them, um, I've enjoyed uh, working on them. Uh, I haven't been as much hands-on uh, with the experiments myself. So I've been mostly involved in um, planning and designing the tests and taking care of, um, again, the day-to-day -day activities of the facility. And, uh, and then from previous work, um, I would say I really liked what I did for my, my master's was testing a residential wind turbine in a wind tunnel. And um, that was very um, uh, unique experience for me. And then um, I remember uh, the second, I would say, very um, unique experience was when I was able to see a tornado simulated in the lab. Wow. So I was so excited that, like, I guess I was jumping up and down. <laughs> and then, I really remember that was um, uh, 9 p.m. And <laughs> oh my goodness. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so um, those are, yeah, I would say all the experiments, they all have very, um, very uh, specific details uh, that you need to think about. And I find them uh, always um, challenging. Uh, at Wall of Wind, for example, we did an experiment um, recently that was uh, looking at uh, the effect of uh, basically the wall uh, to roof connection and using different uh, types of connection and uh, we're using um, FRP and just and it was a, it this was a, a failure mode of studies we were all looking at the cameras which were pointing at connection and uh, waiting to see how how the uh, how the um, calculations work because we based on calculation we had an estimate of when the connection is going to fail. Just uh, watching that it happen at the same speed that we estimated. Oh wow! Um, I found that uh, really amazing. Well, that's great to see your numerical results validated experimentally. That's it's got to be a really good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't always happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, the we'll, we'll say science works, so <laughs> that's that's an example. Science works. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that's a really good segue, actually. So I think a lot of our audience, myself included, are not wind engineers. So could you give kind of a thirty thousand foot view of what wind engineering is, the types of science you do, and uh, that kind of thing. Sure. Well, uh, wind engineering looks at the effect of uh, wind on structures, on environment, uh, and I would say on human lives, basically. So it, it's a broad range of topics involved and a broad range of um, scientists actually involved in wind engineering. So myself, my background is uh, mechanical engineering. We have lots of um, uh, researchers from with civil uh, background. 
structural engineers. And um, we all basically together look at um, how wind can be useful in um, basically how we can get the wind applied uh, to get the uh, positive side of it for our advantage, like a wind turbine, extracting energy from wind, or we are looking at wind and basically the dark side of it, which is how it can damage uh, structures and buildings. And then we, the next step, once you understand how it works, the next step is how we can prevent damage or how we can take more advantage of the energy in the wind. So that is broadly what wind engineering is about. Cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. I kind of thought it was more of the preventing damage part, but that makes a lot of sense to kind of look at both the good and bad side, or not bad, the light and dark side, we'll say, of wind, um, using it to your advantage as well. Have you had any personal experiences with uh, wind hazards, either tornadoes or hurricanes? Uh, yeah, so, well, hurricanes, I, I live in Miami, which is a hurricane-prone region. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess a couple of months after I moved here um, in 2016, uh, Hurricane Matthew was aiming for Miami. Uh, but it didn't hit Miami, uh, the city of Miami. So I, the only thing I experienced was uh, basically uh, a few gusty days, lots of rain. Uh, but I have experienced um, tornado as part of uh, my uh, my PhD study. I, I participated in a, a field campaign, uh, basically chasing um, storms and tornadoes and uh, collecting data from them. Oh, wow. Where was that? Yeah, uh, that was in, so the first time it was in 2012, which was uh, part of a campaign with the Center for Severe Weather Research. And that was uh, uh, for one month. We, uh, we drove actually around 24,000 kilometers. Uh, oh, wow going after storms from one state to another, from, um, I would say, New Mexico, Texas, all the way up, um, Colorado, all, all the states that you can imagine that there, there is a chance for a tornado to form. And um, at that point, um, I saw seven, eight tornadoes. 78? Seven and eight. Seven or eight. Oh, seven or eight. Yeah. <laughs> I was <gonna> say, wow. <laughs> no, that's me. Seven or eight. And uh, the, they, they were different size, actually. Like, um, tiny, tiny tornadoes to, like, large damaging ones. Um, I would say the closest intercept was uh, we were a kilometer or two away from a rain-wrapped tornado that we were there basically accidentally. And uh, we realized that once a piece of, a, um, I would say a white large piece of debris hit our truck and we weren't sure what happened, but after the storm passed, 
um, we were, I mean, we knew that there was a tornado passing. We realized that, but we just wasn't sure how close we were. But what happened is that that tornado uh, went through a wind farm uh, and got uh, five large wind turbines um, partially destroyed. And what hit our truck was a piece of a wind turbine blade. And lots of uh, utility li lines down. And that, that was, a, I would say, that was a, the scary uh, experience with tornadoes. And then another thing that I witnessed was um, after the math, actually, was a tornado passing through a small village. And uh, there was this house that, uh, based on people, um, like witnesses there, uh, they were saying that kind of the connection, it, it looked like the connection between the walls and the, at the basement uh, or the foundation. So loose that the tornado kind of picked it up and dragged it and then dropped it at another location. And there was a person actually in that house that could um, be survived as we uh, took shelter in the basement. Um, so yeah, I've had um, an experience with a tornado and now that I'm uh, working in more um, hurricane research, um, I, would, I would think in Miami, uh, I'll probably experience a hurricane sooner than later. Yeah, yeah, coming into hurricane season here in the next uh, month or so, right? Yeah, the hurricane season is already started, and I guess it continues until um, towards the end of November. Wow. So we are currently in the hurricane season. Well, hopefully you don't have uh, too much field research this fall. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've got to get going actually pretty soon, um, so I really appreciate your time here. That was that was great. Uh, I mean, every time we talk, I just it's just really awesome to hear your perspective on things, your stories, um, your expertise. So I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to help. So we'll let you get going, and uh, we'll start in on uh, Dr. Chowdhury here. Okay, and sorry that I have to leave. That's okay. This is great, and and I think we got yeah. enough. Uh, enough materials so it'll it'll be it'll be plenty <laughs> okay have a great day bye all right so um we'll kind of do the same format with you dr chowdhury um if you could tell us kind of a little bit about about your background kind of where you're from how you got into wind engineering engineering in general uh, your research interests, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, I'm a civil engineer, actually, and my master's is construction engineering. And um, when I applied for my PhD, I started working at Iowa State University, uh, where I came to know about the discipline of wind engineering. I liked it because multidisciplinary. It has various uh, disciplines involved, studying from structural engineering, fluid mechanics, controls, aerodynamics, and all of that, including fundamental science and its application. So it just broadens your horizon. So you can work in different fields, different companies. Um, so I started doing research on flexible bridges, 
so long span bridge and uh, cable stead and suspended long span bridge and uh, i looked at flutter of these uh, bridge structures is an aeroelastic instability and i had to do wing testing for those structures and just Miriam mentioned uh, one of the things that was exciting is, uh, as she mentioned, that science works. So I had come up with a new procedure of calculating flutter wind speed at what wind speed a bridge is going to be unstable. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, and then I had a wind tunnel where I had a section model of a bridge uh, mounted on various springs. And uh, I slowly cranked up. Uh, the wind speed. I'm just expecting to uh, maybe watch the phenomena of flutter. And really at the uh, wind speed I predicted from my theoretical calculations and my flutter derivative uh, estimation using the wind tunnel, I saw exactly at that speed the bridge just went unstable and it almost was at a point of breaking a Oh, wow. Uh, so that was exciting to see. Okay, how a theory works and how it can be simulated in an experimental facility at a small scale. So uh, I published quite a few papers on that. I'm very glad to see even after uh, 15, 17 years, there are people who who uses my algorithm uh, nowadays to uh, extract those aerodynamic derivatives called flutter derivatives to uh, predict um, the, the flutter wind speed um, of, of bridges. So that's very exciting and uh, it's very, um, I'm very happy to see the application of what I did so many years back. Uh, um, after that, just because of this multidisciplinary nature of the work I just mentioned, uh, you'll be surprised that I, my first job uh, was in uh, um, a company called Lear Corporation which is an automotive company. So they manufacture, you know, various components of a car, you know, GM, Toyota, uh, Chrysler, those companies. And I was able to apply the theory of aerodynamics in various processes in that in industrial plant while manufacturing various parts of the cars, looking at uh, spray painting, how you can um, reduce the, uh, the, um, wastage of filters to aerodynamic design of, of the ducts and things like that. So I did um, not know that. Did you know I used to be a paint engineer for Subaru? Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So thank that you. <laughs> oh, no, that is great. So I used to work in their paint booths and vibration welding of various parts of the cars. So in two years, I applied a lot of what I learned in during my PhD, not in bridges, but in a general sense of aerodynamic design of various uh, systems. Um, and then I uh, switched uh, to um, uh, a company called Thornton Thomas City um, in 2005. And that was kind of interesting because that was in the middle of those ferocious back-to-back -back hurricane seasons of 2004 mm. Hurricanes were hitting one after the other, and other states like you know uh, Louisiana, like Hurricane Katrina, um, Hurricane Wilma, all those you know Hurricane Rita, Dennis, uh, all those hurricanes. So 
Uh, that was kind of um, a season. And I came to Florida in 2005, right after one week after Hurricane Wilma hit South Florida. So what was interesting is like, uh, I could see what a low level or low category hurricane can do to a community. Like, you know, it was hardly a category two or three hurricane Wilma. When I reached Fort Lauderdale airport from Iowa, I got uh, my rental car out and I was trying to drive to Miami and everything was, the whole city was like dark, like a ghost town. And I was kind of very uncomfortable seeing, like, why, why is it like that? Because I didn't know what the impact of a hurricane will be. I found that my apartment that I rented was closed because of water intrusion uh, wow. into the building. So I had to stay in a, a hotel in Miami Beach, which was almost one hour uh, drive from my work. And that was the only hotel that was running. Every other hotel were like, shut down because of the outage of the power. And uh, I was lucky to get that little, uh, to, to stay in that little hotel and do back and forth uh, to my work in Florida. So I've seen the impact of, of this hurricane. And uh, then when I got the um, opportunity to apply to FU, um, I came to know that they are building this wall of wind facility, which is kind of a hurricane simulator. It's a legacy of Hurricane Andrew. And the purpose of building this simulator is to lessen the impact of hurricanes. Uh, so that really made me, okay, that's, it's very interesting because I've seen firsthand what the impact of a hurricane is. So I immediately applied for the job. Unfortunately, I, I got um, um, selected as an assistant professor. I started work, working at the wall of wind went all the phases of a two fan, six fan, and to all the way up to the 12 fan system, uh, which was uh, open to um, public and industry um, in 2012. Uh, and uh, it's a unique facility. Um, it can do a lot of things. Um, the conventional wind tunnel uh, is not capable of doing. And it complements um, other wind tunnel testing. So it's kind of a, machine or, or a system that complements the other wind engineering tools um, like wind tunnels and CFD and other methods. Yeah, I think that's why and, it's one one of the, I mean, it fits in really well with the NERI network and the other wind tunnels at University of Florida, the simulation tools at the Sim Center. It makes it a really great module to NERI. I, yeah, I think so. I think uh, the Nihiri hour was extremely um, uh, beneficial to uh, to the community in general, because now researchers and um, every other academicians, students, and faculty they have access to these facilities, including the um, the wind tunnel at UF, the wall of wind at FIU, the Sim Center, and all the other similar facilities like Oregon State with the tsunami, um, and those kind of facilities make very um, unique. Um, Nihiri program. Um, so one of the very rewarding thing that happened to the wall of wind is it being selected as one of the Nihiri facilities and it just uh, put us on the map and uh, it was the greatest reward that um, as a team that we achieved 
um, is the recognition that we got from NSF when the Wall of Wind became a Nihiri facility. So that was uh, great. And uh, one thing that I always rely on is the teamwork. So we had a we have a great team, and without the help and support of this uh, all the team members, this wouldn't have been possible. So I'd like to thank all my members and colleagues and staff of the Wall of Wind, of the Civil Engineering Department, the International Hurricane Research Center, the Extreme Events Institute, and of course the higher administration of IU. They have the high faith and high trust in the Wall of Wind, and they're very glad that now it's a Nihiri facility. Yeah, I've definitely seen that from the few times I've interacted with the team down there. It's it's a really high functioning team. Everybody's on the same page. You've got very clear goals of where you want to go and the support from the institution there at FIU. It's, it's really remarkable. Exactly. exactly. And, and every, also we are getting I've just been very from... thankful that um, Dr. Rafan has been on a couple of committees with me and at the uh, Nary NCO and she's always the first one to volunteer for something. <laughs> she's just <laughs> really, really helpful, eager to, um, be the best team member she could be. She's just a, a pleasure to work with. Absolutely. And she is one of the greatest uh, SOM, the site operations manager, and she's extremely capable and manages everything very efficiently. And I mean, also during NSF visit um, in February, I think that was reflected our efforts. So we are very thankful that we got a site operations manager with great managing expertise as well as this managerial skills to uh, get the facility going to manage everything, including, you know, annual reports, industry testing, academic testing, and all the new projects. So, yeah, I'm very thankful. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned a little bit about the capabilities of the Wall of Wind. Uh, we've talked about the kind of staff capabilities, and you alluded to the technical capabilities, a little bit of it having 12 fans stacked up. So for those of our audience who haven't seen it, who aren't familiar with the wall of wind, give them a taste of the awesome power of <laughs> that facility. Yes, I think uh, it's a unique facility, definitely. Um, and advantage um, of, of the wall of wind is it's a, it's a full scale or a large scale testing facility. So on one hand, we can subject uh, full scale components of buildings and structure like traffic signals or a roof of a building or a wall cladding of a building to the real impact of hurricane winds and wind-driven rain. So advantage is to undergo um, testing using various wind speeds and wind directions to see um, how the structural components withstand wind forces and, and rain intrusion. And you can really see, okay, at what point things start failing. It's extremely important to understand and see how things fail so you know that what is the weakness or the weak link in a structure so you can go back to your design board and you can redesign things to make sure that that doesn't happen again so you have a more resistant structure so that's the unique capability of the wall of wind that it can simulate um, what we call destructive testing where we can see the failure and uh, damage modes, progressive damage of one element or connection failing after the other, and how um, that can be improved. So I think that's unique capability which, which gives us the capability of what we call holistic testing of the structure, the entire structure. 
Uh, the other advantage is uh, we can have very high wind speeds, like we can go up to a category five wind speeds of 157 miles per hour. So really there's some uh, things, uh, some instabilities um, that can happen at high wind speed. So you really need to simulate the high sp wind speed to see that instability. For example, we had a system um, of a traffic signal that we started testing and at a particular wind speed, 112 miles per hour, there is an instability, which uh, just uh, came out and, and there is a failure. So if you test it at lower wind speeds, everything might seem to be okay. But as you ramp up and test at that particular wind speed, you can see the instability. So I think the capability of blowing strong wind on large models is something which is really unique. Um, the other advantage is from a fundamental science view, there are effects of uh, fluid dynamics parameters, for example, Reynolds number. And, and because we can do things at large scale and, and large wind speed, we can achieve those non-dimensional important parameters as Reynolds number almost as good as it is in the full scale. So we can simulate things that happen at the full scale. Okay, so we can capture those kind of fluid dynamic, fundamental fluid dynamics effects. Uh, that are real, um, which cannot be captured at, at super scales. Uh, you also can have a lot of architecture detail fit um, if you have a large model. For example, when you're putting, let's say, um, architectural features like standing seam metal roof on a building, which has like ribs and fascias and other things. These are aerodynamically important. Um, when you're putting a solar panel system on a roof, it's hard to do it at small scale, right? So you want to just put it at large scale so you can have all the details in there. So I think having a large scale testing facility gives you all those advantages. And also the resolution of sensors is very important because just imagine that you are putting uh, pressure taps on a particular building element like a roof tile or a roof paper. It makes a difference where whether you can put only two taps on a tile versus 15 taps it increases the resolution of, of your results and wind-induced responses and wind-induced pressures and forces. So in that regard, large scale is, is important. Um, we can also do wind-driven rain testing at large and full scale. So you can study how the water gets into the building through either defects or breaches in the building envelope, uh, which is responsible for most of the losses in hurricanes. I mean, in Hurricane Wilma, uh, because it's a low strength hurricane, you didn't have very high wind speeds, but even then you have a lot of losses just because of water getting into your house um, and uh, damage to your interior components and interior contents. So we can look at those kind of modes of water intrusion because we have this water intrusion uh, rain generation capability. Uh, we can also do um, testing of uh, infrastructure system like bridges or traffic signals or you know wind energy systems so we are looking not only just at buildings but other infrastructures so I think all of wind can help all of these aspects of how you can build a resilient community which is basically a system of systems it's not just building it's buildings it's bridges it's traffic infrastructure it's power grid and all of that and each system performance is dependent on the performance of other. So it's, it's an interconnected system of systems approach. 
So you have to look at all these various systems in the community to provide resiliency to the entire community as a whole. So the wall of wind can look at all these various systems, either at a component level or a systems level, to give you meaningful data from which you can build a hurricane resilient, not a hurricane resilient building or a hurricane resilient bridge, but a hurricane resilient community. I think that's important. Yeah, that's a really important point that the the main goal of the wall of wind and the other components of NARI is not just to make resilient buildings, building components, infrastructure, but make society, that system of systems you talked about, more, more resilient as a whole. And that's, that's a very important distinction to make and uh, important for people to understand that everything is connected and depends on everything else to work properly. Absolutely, yes. I I, th I think you may have mentioned, I might have just missed it, but do you also do um, debris impact testing as well, like putting debris into the wind field and having an impact in a uh, structure? Um, not really. We don't do uh, direct debris testing because I think that can be done um, using the current laboratory that are there, uh, which uses... Um, compressed air cannon to shoot debris at high velocity to structures, okay? So we don't want to mimic something that can be already done in other facilities uh, efficiently. Uh, uh, however, what we, what we look at, which is, I think, important, is the effect of the debris. For example, a debris can breach a window or a door or a garage door, and what that can do, that can increase the internal pressure in a building. So we can simulate those kind of breaches and look at how the internal pressure builds up in a model um, at large scale. And you can look at the effect of the internal pressure on the increase in the net wind loading on the building. And there have been many cases where after a debris hit and you have a breach of a window, the roof um, flew off because of the increase in the net pressure on the roof. So we can look at systematic progressive damages of your building component that can happen because of debris and how that can lead to progressive failure. So one of my PhD students did an uh, interesting uh, study on internal pressure development on progressive damage in buildings because of debris. So we didn't simulate the debris by throwing two by fours or other things at the structure, but we opened these openings one after the other and measured the overall impact on the net loading of the building. Oh, wow. So you can do it in, in a more systematic way, you know, assuming that you've already had that debris impact and Correct. say, okay, is the debris impact on a window more impactful than on a door or even certain parts of a door or a wall or some other system and see the worst case scenario? Right. Or, or, at you can have many windows in in the building which window um can if a, a debris hits a particular location um you can have different effects from um the location of the window that's breached so we can look at all of those like what is the impact what is the effect of a particular location of a debris breach in a, in the building envelope how if you have multiple debris breaches how you, if you have a windward breach along with a leeward breach uh, all those things um, we can look at, basically. Wow. That's really awesome. 
<laughs> right, and once you have a breach in a in a building envelope, let's say you lose um, a part of your roof because of a debris impact, how does the water gets inside, and how does the water uh, propagates inside the building? So we are doing some very interesting research that are changing the ways that uh, you know loss modeling is done for rain intrusion. So we are looking at like based on the location of the breach and the compartment in the building, like the rooms and the corridors and things, how the water propagates from one place to other, how does it affect the drywall, how does it affect your mechanical connections or your uh, electrical connections, and what will be the total interior loss because of these breaches and because of this particular path of the water intrusion through those breaches and how they propagate inside the building. Again, we can do that because we can build large-scale models with these kind of compartments and we can look into those things. My colleague Yonis Zisis is doing um, a research um, on, on the propagation of uh, water inside a building model and looking at the effect of uh, water intrusion and the mode of damages inside the building. It's a, it's a Florida Sea Grant project um, and I think it will have very interesting results. It's going to also influence or enhance the Florida public loss model, which is a, a loss modeling platform um, which many people uses in Florida to estimate the losses because of hurricanes, wind and wind driven rain. So these kind of loss modeling, cat modeling techniques are getting improved because we have this test-based data at large scale from the wall of wind, either on wind effects or wind driven rain effects. So this is one of the practical examples of how the research can give you fundamental knowledge advancement to be applied practically to enhance the loss modeling techniques used by insurers that basically regulates your insurance rates of the citizens. So I think it's very important. That's actually a really good segue to a, another question I wanted to ask you is uh, what other kinds of ways have you seen that research translated to practical applications for the citizens of Florida and other hurricane affected areas? Um, at least two. One is the enhancement of building codes. So with all the research that we do, we try to uh, disseminate enough information so the building codes can be enhanced. Um, we did some research on rooftop equipment on uh, air conditioning unit on the roof, and that research was um, uh, applied to enhance the Florida building code uh, years back. So that's an example. Um, their research done on canopies on buildings with Dr. Zisis is uh, trying to get those results in the ACE7. Uh, so these are practical examples of how Wolofin research can uh, impact the current building codes and enhance the provisions in those building codes. The other things that we do is we uh, try to develop new products uh, which can mitigate hurricane damage and those products can be used by the industry or commercialized by with partnerships with the industry. Um, and then you can have commercial products which can increase the resistance of buildings or structures to the wind. Um, recently we did at least two of these uh, and we patent these products. One is a, we did one which is a hurricane resistant roof sense system. So it's a lightweight concrete roof, which can replace the conventional roofing that we do with trusses and sheeting and red tiles. So this system can replace um, those kind of conventional roof and is much more resistant than the conventional roof. But aesthetically, it looks like those kind of roofs. It's like, oh, looks wow. like 
red tile roof. So architectural, uh, from architectural point of view, um, you have nothing that changed, but from a structural point of view, it's much more uh, resistant to wind loading. That's excellent. Uh, the other thing that uh, Miriam mentioned about wind energy, so uh, we need to develop smart mitigation techniques. So we developed a technique where we call it AMPS, A-M-P-S, uh, because it uh, relates somehow to um, power and current, right? And uh, this is called aerodynamic mitigation and power uh, system. So we have a set of wind turbines that you can install on the edges of your roof. And these wind turbines, uh, these, these are mini turbines. It can reduce the wind loading on the roofs because it can disrupt the way vortices are formed on the roof from cornering winds. So it disrupts the structures of the vortices and it can reduce the pressure on the roof by as much as 60-70%. Um, yeah, but the other side of it is as it's reducing the wind load by breaking the vortex structures, it can use that energy from the wind to generate its own power, which is wind energy, which is green energy. So you can harvest that power and you can either sell it back to the grid or you can use it during your power outage if you can store it in a battery and use it later on. Wow. When you know in Hurricane Sandy or Hurricane Matthew, you have all these power outages, and you can lose power for days or for weeks. Um, so using these kind of systems, yeah, I definitely uh, remember having generator envy during Hurricane Sandy when I was living in Connecticut. So <laughs> I would have right, loved to have a system exactly. like this. So just imagine that instead of that, if you have these uh, system on your roof, which on the first place is going to reduce the risk of the damage to your roof. And then in addition, it's going to generate this wind energy, which you can store and you can use at least to operate one of your small refrigerators, your computers, power your phone and things like that. So you're at least up and running rather than shut down for days or weeks. Wow. So, so not only would you probably reduce your insurance rate having something in, like this installed, you wouldn't have to have a generator which runs on fossil fuels and pollutes the environment. <laughs> Right, be exactly. able to run your refrigerator and not lose all your food in the fridge to spoilage and yeah. have your phone and your computer still alive, uh, yeah. able to work and let people know that you're okay. That's that's an amazing cascade benefit from just such kind of a, a simple system, well, simple sounding system anyway. <laughs> right, right. But, but the other advantage is it doesn't just only work during hurricanes. It works 24-7, 365 days. So whatever environmental winds you have, always you're producing some kind of energy throughout the year with or without a hurricane. So you can make use of all that energy. And because we are now going to this sustainable community with reducing, trying to reduce your fossil fuel usage and try to uh, do as much as you can with renewable energy, this is, I think, a nice system to, to look into that kind of thing. So it it's brings the resiliency and sustainability together. And again, it can enhance your community performance. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this has been amazing, and I could talk to you all afternoon, but I'm sure you've got other things you've got to do. I've actually got to get packed for the uh, Nary Summer Institute next week. We're leaving in the morning. <laughs> Uh, as I'm talking to you, I'm already replying to all the emails coming from the other constituents. Oh, of good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with my emails. Like, okay, 
Uh, I mean, I will be there for all the five days next week. So I'll help with various um, activities during the Neary Summer Institute, including, you know, young faculty, uh, teachers and students and the science plan, the NCO and all those committees, basically. So it will be fun. Yeah, that's going to be a great event. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, meeting some more of the researchers that I haven't gotten to meet yet. Some some of the REU students. It's going to be really really interesting and definitely looking forward to some of the presentations as well on grant writing and things that I'm really not familiar with. So yeah, it's going to be yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I'll be serving on the committee to help, uh, you know, strategize for grant writing and things like that. So excellent. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Chowdhury for your, your time, your expertise, your great stories. You're, you're a really good storyteller. And uh, <laughs> looking forward to uh, continuing to work with you as the uh, NARA network progresses. And uh, I guess we'll see you down in Texas. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And just wanted to add to this, like we, these kind of technologies, just I uh, mentioned, these are being a matter of interest to, uh, you know, very prestigious uh, organizations, media and magazines like this uh, story about the AMS. It has been published in Smithsonian Magazine, and also the story of the Wall of Wind just came uh, into the Science Magazine, and Wall of Wind picture was designated as one of the 10 best pictures of Science Magazine in 2016. Oh, wow. That is a really great image. It's really well done. Just captures the, I mean, the true awe of the size of the facility. It's great. Exactly. Thank I'll you, be Daniel. sure to put links to those in the uh, the show notes so that people can find those articles. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Design Safe Radio. This show is sponsored by the National Science Foundation and NARI. You can subscribe to Design Safe Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please leave us a review so we can improve the show. These also help others find our episodes on iTunes, so thank you. You can find out more about NERI at designsafe-ci.org or on Facebook at Natural Hazards Engineering Research Infrastructure or on Twitter at NERI Design Safe. On the next episode of Design Safe Radio, we have the operations manager from UC San Diego's Shake Table facility and three undergraduate researchers who have been working there all summer on the NERI Tallwood project and learning a lot while contributing to the success of the project. Thanks for listening.